the Missouri School of Journalism. Welcome to Global Journalist. I'm Stacey Wolfel, in for Jason McClure. We bring you a special edition of the program today, a conversation with documentary filmmaker Stanley Nelson. Chances are you've seen Nelson's work on your local PBS station, featured on the programs American Experience and American Masters. His films often chronicle important institutions and moments in our past, from the Black Panthers to the Black Press, from Wounded Knee to Jonestown. Nelson is a MacArthur Genius Fellow and has been awarded the Peabody Award, the Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, and received the National Medal in the Humanities from President Barack Obama. Nelson and his wife, Marcia Smith, are the founders of Firelight Media, a production company with the mission to produce films that expose injustice, eliminate, illuminate the power of community, and tell a history seldom told. The company works to develop the careers of young filmmakers interested in telling underrepresented stories. Stanley Nelson, welcome. Thank you so much. Well, it always seems like the first place to start here is how you became a documentary filmmaker. What led you to this? Um, I was bouncing around in college, and this was uh, the early 70s, and it was uh, when all of a sudden there was a black exploitation era. And so for the first time, um, there were African Americans in front of the camera and a few African Americans behind the camera. And um, I took a film course and liked it and kind of you know stuck with it and transferred to f- the film department and graduated with a degree in film. Did you see yourself as a documentary filmmaker from the start, or you were going to make some fiction films? I was going to make fiction films. I, I didn't see myself as a documentary filmmaker at all. Um, one of my uh, professors was the great uh, documentary filmmaker D. A. Pennybaker, and he had, and I used to have arguments all the time about you know documentaries because I said documentaries were dead, um, and he said documentaries were the way to go. Um, but when I got out of school, you know, I was looking for a job, and I happened to get a job with uh, William Greaves, who was kind of the dean of black uh, documentary filmmakers. And so I, I got a job with Bill and got into docs and stayed there. Well, he was one of your mentors, I understand. And, and who else did you look up to at that time? Nobody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there were there were there were not that many African Americans making films, you know. Um, and again, I wasn't that interested in, in making docs. You know, I, I got a job with Bill, and it was great. Uh, um, but I was, you know, looking more at at fiction films. I really liked a lot of the Japanese uh, uh, filmmakers, fiction filmmakers, Kurosawa, and, mm-hmm. and kind of that scope of and and, and the beauty of, of their films. Um, so I was much more into that than I was into docs. So, what was your first documentary? What led you down this path? Uh, the first film I made was uh, independent documentary I made was Two Dollars and a Dream about Madam C.J. and Olivia Walker, and um, you know I had been kind of bouncing around do- the documentary world for five or six years, and you know my suddenly it, 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 it a light bulb went off. I was like, hey, wait, this is a good idea for a film because my grandfather uh, was Madam C.J. Walker's partner and and, mm-hmm. and uh, her lawyer, and, and so. Um, it, it, it's funny that it took me five years to realize that that would make a good film because it was kind of a, not only a great story, but it was also a family story. So that was the first film I made. Yeah, I think a lot of filmmakers end up with a, maybe a family connection to get started. We see you go to Sundance or another festival and it'll be somebody's first film and it'll be about a family member or something like that. So was that an easy way in? You had had the history built in a little bit already? Well, I mean, I, I think it's good for your first film to, to make a film that you can make. You know, you don't want to make the, you know, the, the history of the modern world or something like that. You know, you want to make a film where you have the resources. And if it's a family story, you know, you got your family right there. You have the pictures 
characters right there. You have, you know, and 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 in. And one of the things that I found when I made that film that made that film really work was that, you know, I, I was interviewing these these women who work for the Madam C.J. Walker company. Um, they might have worked for the company in, in the 20s, you know, and so now they were in their 80s, but they they remembered my grandfather my grandfather was their boss you know and and so they remembered my grandfather they remembered my mother as a little girl so you know there's there's this little bit of magic that's happening in in those interviews that that came from that family connection Mm -hmm. so as your career progressed um did you feel like you had a um, mission in the stories you were trying to tell? What what developed there? You know, I, I, I felt in some ways that I had a mission. I felt that, um, you know, when I got into filmmaking, there weren't very many African-American filmmakers and uh, definitely not very many African-American documentary filmmakers. I felt that, you know, there was the, the films that, that we were seeing were, were, were Shaft and Superfly and, the, and those kind of films, you know, Blackula kind of films about, you know, drug dealers and pimps and prostitutes. And, you know, I didn't. I didn't grow up that way. Those weren't the people that that I knew. I felt that there was a whole other world that, that needed to be explored. You know. Um, you know. My mother was a librarian, and my father was a dentist. You know. And and you know, that that that's the the way I grew up. And I felt that that uh, you know that story, those stories were were valid stories that needed to be told. The uh, you didn't see other African American filmmakers when you were starting out, and did you feel that you always had a responsibility to be a role model, even as a young filmmaker? No, I didn't. I, I was just trying to make films. You know, I, I wasn't trying to be a role model as a as a person, um, or even as a, as a you know even as a filmmaker. Even my films, you know. I mean, I think people have a right to make any film they want to make. You know, I, I'm not saying that every film should be you know something heavy or something you know, or, or people should choose the path that I chose. I, I, that's the path that I chose um, because it was the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. When I watch your films, I think about the the voices that we hear in them and the people, the experts, and uh, they're not the people I see in a lot of other films. And so how do you go about choosing um, who appears in the films, who who has the expertise? Well, a lot of times, you know, if, if the film is, is a kind of modern history, you know, the civil rights movement on, we're trying to find people who, who are part of it as much as we possibly can. Uh, usually, you know, we have to kind of augment that with some historians, but our first look is not, you know, for historians. I mean, you know, it's, it's fairly easy to find historians, you know, the you know they're 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 around and and you know you can get them to talk, but we're we're really trying to find people who live through those experiences experiences. You know who lived through the Black Panther experience, who lived through the Freedom Rides, uh, um, Freedom Summer. You know to try mm-hmm. to find the people who who were actually part of those experiences and and have the story told f- from their point of view as much as we can. Um, and sometimes we're really lucky because in like the film we did on Jonestown, we found that a lot of people who lived through the experience then wrote books. Mm-hmm. And so they, they function not only as participants in, in this chapter in history, but also as kind of historians. Right. The um, one film that stands out to me, and we're, we're about the same age, and so growing up and hearing about the Black Panthers on the news, I grew up as a white, teenager and and young man in uh, suburbs of St. Louis and so what I heard about the Black Panthers on the news was I came to realize after watching films such a small part of their story Mm -hmm. and so 
how difficult is it to go find the rest of that story that the mainstream media hasn't really told? Uh, it's interesting you ask that question because one of the things that we wanted to do in the Panthers was tell the kind of alternate history. So I grew up, you know, as an African-American in New York City. And so, you know, the Panthers that I heard of at that time were very different. You know, I heard of, you know, new people who joined the Panthers. I, I, I knew people who were very committed, uh, you know, to social change who joined the Panthers, who weren't, you know, bloodthirsty, you know, white people hating maniacs, you know. And so that was what we wanted to look into. To, you know the, those people's story, um, you know, and and it's this kind of domino effect. You know, once you start, uh, you know, doing research, you know, you start finding people, and then hopefully they'll give you some other people, and they'll give you some others. And, and one thing that's happened uh, with with the uh, internet is that people talk to each other. You know, so people will say, you know, they, they kind of look you up and they look at your other films and, you know, what you've done. And when you come walk in the door after maybe talking to them on the phone, they kind of know a little bit about you. And they know that you're not trying to, you know, grill them or, or sneak something by them they, that, that I'm just trying to, to, to look at the story in a very different way. This is Global Journalist. On today's program, we're joined by the documentary filmmaker Stanley Nelson. His latest film, Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool, is in theaters now. He's won a number of awards over the course of his career, including a MacArthur Genius Grant and most recently a 2019 Missouri Honor Medal from the Missouri School of Journalism. Uh, turning back to your film work, uh, do you have a favorite film? No. I mean, I, I you know, there, there's a bunch of films that, that, that I like. I've been very fortunate to... Uh, to f make films where I, I thought, you know, I've, I've done the best that I can. They're complete. It's not like I wish I had more money or I wish I had more time. I made the films I, I wanted to make. I really like the film on Miles Davis because, you know, it's it's uh, the last film that, that I made, and I think that, um, you know, I poured everything that I that I know in, into that film. I think it, it's there. So I, I, I really like that film, but there are a bunch of them that I think, um, you know, that I like a lot. We were talking about the Miles Davis uh, film earlier, and so uh, how long in the edit room for that one? Uh, yeah, we spent 56 weeks in the edit room, and when I say 56 weeks, I mean, you know, 56 weeks, uh, 40 to 50-hour days. It's not like, you know, well, we would work a day, you know, we were working full-time in the edit room, and, and you know, it shows. I, I think that that's what we want to do, you know. We, we want to put every penny that we spend up on the screen, whether it's in the shooting or in the edit room, and, and it, it took that amount of time to kind of find the film and for the film to find us and I think it you know it lives and breathes on the screen mm -hmm. now it's likely that a lot of people watching have seen your work on PBS because you've had a number of, of films there over the years how did that relationship get started um, you know my relationship with, with, with PBS is kind of one film at a time and then that that's what it was for years you know we um, Actually, when when I first started in, in making films, PBS was kind of the only alternative. You know, I think you know HBO might not have even been there, and 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 the networks did not buy documentaries. You know, if the network wanted a documentary, they would send their own crew and their own producers out to, to make it. They did not buy documentaries, so PBS was the only kind of alternative, and that's and that's where I started. And so, um, and then I kind of developed uh, over the years a relationship with a show called American Experience, and uh, which is you know PBS's main history show and we did uh, seven or eight films for American Experience over I don't know 15 20 years mm -hmm. people uh, like to talk about this being the golden age of documentaries and you hint at it a little bit there that it's the PBS is not the only game in town anymore how have you seen that change what's being made and what the audience is able to see. Well, I, I think it's really important when we talk about the golden age is, is to talk about, you know, the golden age for who, you know, so that we make uh, 
uh, we work with, with filmmakers in the program, The Lab, that we do, and it's their first or second film. And we've worked with a lot of filmmakers who make great films and, you know, uh, their films win Emmys and Peabody's, you know, and, and these huge awards. But then they they have a really hard time making another one, um, you know, because uh, a lot of the uh, the uh, streamers and cable providers, what they want is a track record. You know, they want to know that that if they're going to give you, you know, a, a million and a half dollars or whatever. I mean, filmmaking is very expensive. Documentary filmmaking is very expensive. Um, that you know they can they're guaranteed that they're going to get a return. You know, um, and you're not going to you know buy a pink Cadillac and drive off into the sunset with their money. So, um, you know, it, it is a golden age for, for, for uh, certain people, for people who have been around. Um, um, it, it's gotten a lot easier for us, you know, at Firelight. You know, um, we've got a bunch of projects going with a bunch of different uh, providers. Um, but, you know, one of the things we're doing with the lab that we run, the documentary lab, is trying to, you know, stick our foot in the door and hold it open and get some other people in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that. So this is at your company, Firelight Media. And so you have a lab and you're bringing in young filmmakers of these people in college, out of college, how do you find them? So um, we have a, what we call the documentary lab, and, and it's really centered at, at uh, people of color all over the country. Um, one of the thing, and these are people who are who are mainly they they're in the industry already. Uh, they're making their first or second film. Um, these are people who are out of college who you know have a project that's kind of going. Um, we ask that 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 you you know you come to us with a project. Um, we don't we want. Uh, we, we want you to have just a little money attached if possible because it's hard for us to give you advice and mentorship if you come to us and you don't have any money because all we can say is, well, you go, you got to get some money. Mm-hmm. Um, but we work with, with filmmakers. Um, you know, we never charge them a penny. We, we have raised grants to supply them mentors, you know, editing mentors, uh, writing mentors. Um, whatever they need, producing mentors um, to try to get their film done, made, and, and on the air. Um, we've been going for 10 years. We've had over 80 uh, films that have come out of the lab. Uh, it's just been an incredible, incredible, incredible experience. We've been, we had, I think, four films at Sundance this year. Um, uh, so it's been it's been very successful. We um, we just had our open call. We had eight slots to fill, and we had 220 applications. So, you know. Do you see a spot in the future where um, you, you don't need to do that anymore? That the opportunities come for everybody equally? No, no. And I think one of the reasons why we're doing what we're doing is that, you know, when I first got into filmmaking, there were programs. There were programs to to kind of, you know, uh, widen the pool of, of who's making films, um, you know, and who's getting, you know, the, the money to make films. But that that's not the sentiment in this country at this moment. You know, there's that's just not where we are. Um, so that, that we're trying to do our, you know, our little bit to kind of see if we can widen that that pool. I was I was recently at the Emmys, the, the news and. and and, and Doc Emmys in, in New York, and, and the audience was probably 97% white, you know, and that's that's the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably a good segue into your relationship with Starbucks. So mm-hmm. how, how did you get connected? Obviously, Starbucks had some issues with customer service in Philadelphia a couple of years ago and decided to to 
go big with what it how it wanted to react. Yeah, Star- Starbucks, to their credit, decided you know the the, the incident was, was was two African American guys. Uh, the manager called them called the police because because they were there, uh, basically. And Starbucks, you know, decided what they were going to do was shut down all their stores, uh, you know, for a, for a whole afternoon and 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 do some training for for their employees uh, all across the country. And and uh, they wanted to to make a, a ten minute film uh, about that they called the story of access about the idea of, of access to these public spaces that that in a large part the civil rights movement was was a battle to to make these uh, places open and equal uh, and so Starbucks so asked us to make a, a 10 minute film that, that I'm, I'm really 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 proud of the film um, you can see it on, on YouTube if you go to Stanley Nelson and Starbucks it'll pop up um, it's a very different film I, I, I've never really seen anything like it it's uh, a lot of it is just uh, African Americans of, of all different ages and, uh, and, and sexes talking about you know, experiences that, that, that they have um, when they go into public spaces and, and, and experiences that, that that we don't we don't talk about not only you know the white folk but we don't talk about them among ourselves. Mm-hmm. Did Starbucks tell you what they wanted, or just left it open, and you came up with that idea? Uh, we came up with the idea. You know, I mean, there was some some back and forth about you know, um, uh, you know, after that, but but we came up with with the idea of, of people really just speaking to camera about about um, you know incidents, and and we wanted it to be you know not people talking about like one incident that they had. We didn't want it to be something that that, that you could watch and say, oh, you know, you just ran into the wrong guy that day. You know, you ran and oh, that guy was an idiot who ran that store. But people talking about how, you know, um, you know, black folks by and large over and over said, you know, it doesn't matter where I go. When I put my hand on the door to go in a store, you know, I got to because I don't know what I'm going to see. I don't know what I'm going to meet. Um, and, and that was um, it was very revealing. You know, it made me think about myself. You know, it's something I, I don't talk about. I don't talk about it with my kids, you know, because. I have to be strong. You know, I don't want my kids to think that I feel, you know, um, in any way strange going anywhere. Right. I'm 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 dad, you know, and I'm I'm, I'm that guy. So it, it was really interesting because we found that that these are things that people black people didn't even talk about amongst themselves. Is the you know, gr- growing up, um, I, I think I it's safe to say about myself, I didn't really understand white privilege until I was much older. You may have recognized it uh, sooner than I did. Is that something that uh, is being addressed in the documentary world? Um, no, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I think. Look, one of the things that, that that I've that I've learned from from making films and historical films, you know, is is that what what happens in this world and what happens in this country, you know, is not this kind of like you know upward, 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 upward thing that you know in, into into the light. It's this roller coaster, you know, like that. You know, that's how it goes, and and we're on a roller coaster now, you know. And I say, you know, I don't know if we're at the bottom, but we're pretty far down there, you know. Where where you know when we talk about you know equality and 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 making progress, you know, as, as kind of human beings, I think I think we're just not we're not we're not really in a, in, a, in a great place now. You know, there's this this sense that there's you know some kind of scarcity, and and we're all fighting for this this same thing, and 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 that's just false. It doesn't exist. A reminder that you're tuned in to Global Journalist. I'm Stacy Wolfel in for Jason McClure on today's special edition. We're talking with filmmaker Stanley Nelson. 
If you're interested in more Global Journalists, check us out online at globaljournalist.org. You can see video casts of this show on YouTube and Facebook or subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or NPR Podcasts. Um, what advice do you have for young people entering the field now? You're working with them in your lab. You're talking to them here on campus. What's your advice? Um, you know, I got a lot of advice. <laughs> and I, th I think the thing, the, one of the main things for, for young people is that, is that they make sure that this is what they want to do, that they make sure they love it. You know, it's, it's hard to be really good at something unless you like it, unless, you, unless you're in love with it, especially, you know, to, uh, to be a journalist, to be a documentary filmmaker. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy, you know, long hours of work, you know, on weekends. It's, it's a lot of stuff. And it's, you know, it's not like, you know, my life is, is, is sitting here with you on television. This is something very rare and, and you know, a, a real privilege and an honor. But I think that's really important. The other thing I, I, I try to stress to, to young people is, is learn the equipment. You know, you got to learn the equipment, you know, and, and, and the equipment, it gets simpler and simpler. But, you know, know how to do sound, know how to do camera, know, you know, what good writing is. You know, all those things I think are really important for young people. Mm -hmm. on, the, on the latest film, on the Miles Davis film, what's, what was the mix of the crew here? You had young people cutting their teeth on this one or yeah i mean crew? yeah well we we, we, always, we always use a lot of, a lot of interns um and uh we had a, a great situation where um the uh we had an editing intern who who was in his last couple of months at nyu he came to us as an editing intern he was there for a few months then the assistant editor left because she got pregnant and had to leave and then he became the assistant editor and ended up sharing an editing credit on the film so he went from intern to editor on one film and he's now working with us on a, as an editor on another film that's an exciting uh, move to get that credit so early in his career but the editing in the film is terrific because not only do we have to hear the music well and so there's the challenge of editing the music but the visuals are so much archive material what was that like trying to get the archive material for this um, you know, it just it's just a matter of, of, of turning over every leaf and making sure that 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 you you know uh, don't you know that you turn over every leaf that that, that you just follow everything through and, and, you, and you keep looking and, and you know and, and I and I know the people I work with you know they think I'm crazy but whenever I start a project I say you know you've got to go into it with a positive head and an open heart and love in your mind you know and, and good things will happen you know if you if you think I'm not going to find anything then you then you won't but if you go into it thinking there's stuff out there there's stuff that nobody's seen you know I'll, I'll find it um for miles we found uh you know footage that that a friend of his took kind of home movies you know um but like two hours worth of home movies that this guy took of just miles that he had in his basement he literally had it in his basement and and uh you know we uh obtained the rights to use it nobody's ever seen any of that footage before so there's lots of stuff out there you know on on, on any, any project uh, but you, you just gotta gotta really look and you know we we know from from making you know other docs that we start for the very first day and we go to the very last day. You know, we've replaced shots in the online. You know, we do, you know, like we find better stuff. So we're looking the whole time. What's been your toughest film to research? Oh, they're all tough. I, you know, I, I, I don't, we're working on one now on, on the Atlantic slave trade. And it's a, it's a four hour show on the, on the Atlantic slave trade. You know, 95% of the film is, is pre-photography. Um, so we're looking for any kind of graphics, anything that we can find that, that, you know, a diaries, you know, anything, uh, um, uh, a court document, stuff like that, that we can help that help. To yep. illustrate it. When can we expect to see that? Uh, 2021. So we haven't we haven't even started shooting yet. We've been you know just researching and collecting stuff for six months now. Mm -hmm. Is there a, an idea out there that has just been 
you know, you, it's on your wish list and you just haven't been able to do it yet, something you're dying to do, so? Um, no, I mean, I think that there, there's, there's a couple of things, I, I, you know, um, that, that, that I would love to, to be able to do. Um, but, I, you know, I, I don't want to throw it out there because, you know, then somebody might steal it. So I don't <laughs> <laughs> Not you, but, you know, it's, no, it's on, on the air. You know, there's always that feeling that, that you know, if, if you talk about stuff too much, you know, there, there are people with deep pockets and deep resources that can just kind of, you know, say, okay, let's do that. Um, so um, there's, there's a bunch of stuff that, that I would love to, but there's no there's no shortage of, shortages of great stories, you know. I, you know so. If you look at the changes in documentaries from the beginning of your career until now, and then project that many years forward into the future, what do you, what do you think the documentary world will be like in 30 or 40 years? Who knows? I mean, I, I think that, you know, things have changed, um, you know, in so many in so many ways. One, because of the technology is so much easier. You know, you don't have to you know, shoot on film. You don't have to edit on film. You know, it's so much it's always easier and cheaper, but there's also all these providers that, that nobody could have, you know, even looked at, you know, 20 years ago, you know, 20 years ago, uh, or, or less than 20 years ago, you know, Netflix was sending out DVDs to, you know, people's houses, you know, now, you know, you, Netflix has thousands and thousands of hours of programming. So, uh, who knows what, what, what all happened? Um, but it, you know, it, it seems like everything gets kind of a little bit easier to do, um, but again, I, I think that it's still we're still trying to tell the the story, you know, the same stories over and over in the best way we possibly can. That's how we came up with the name of our company, Firelight, because we were working and and you know people people were talking about how things are changing and how the digital world is changing. We we're like, well, you know, people have been telling stories this the same way since they sat in front of the firelight and, and told stories. We said, ah. That's the name of the company, Firelight. <laughs> that's a that's a perfect pick. Uh, a question that's always interesting for me to ask filmmakers when we have them here on campus is: Do you do you consider yourself a journalist? You went to film <laughs> school, but do you consider yourself a journalist? That's that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, you know, when when I got a, a job that changed my life with with Bill Moyers, they were interviewing me about you know for the for the job, and I said, oh oh, so my sister, you know, I have a sister who went to Columbia Journalism. I have a sister who's a journalist, and they were like. <gasps> You don't see yourself as a journalist, and I was like, "Oh, wait, wait, no, 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 no! I'm a journalist. I'm a journalist. I'm a journalist." Um, I think you know, if if you asked me, um, you know, I, not here in a journalism school, I would say I'm a filmmaker. Um, but I think I'm really flattered to be called a journalist. It, that's something that's just really, really, really wonderful about about being called a journalist. So, you know, it, it's almost like a real honor that I I, I don't kind of take for myself, but I I, I I'll take it if somebody else calls me a journalist. I love it. They, I mean, they say that journalists write the first draft of history. And so do you see your films as being future history? You talk about alternative history and you hope people 100 years from now will use this as a resource? I hope so. I mean, I, I think what we're trying to do is say, um, you know, here here's a, a different way to, way to look at history, um, which we I think one of the things that that's really important about about the films that we make is that we look at them as being, you know, a lasting document. So we take really great care with every single frame, with every single shot, with every single word that people say. You know, I mean, I can almost recite the film as it's going. You know, at least the first few months after we finish. You know, so um, um, yeah, we look when we make it, we look at it as as if it's going to be a lasting document. I think that's really important to to the craft that we put into the films. And what, and what do you, uh, we're running out of time here, but what do you watch? 
uh, when you're not working on a film? What do you, you probably don't have much time, watch, but what do you watch? I watch I watch anything. You know, I watch a lot of sports. Uh, my son plays baseball, so I, I watch a lot of baseball. But um, you know, and, and and I watch. You know, I, I'm the I'm the guy that, that that goes on to Netflix or something and just flips around the dial and doesn't stop and then goes to bed without watching. You know, <laughs> without ever settling on on anything. You know, I, I watch PBS. I was watching. You know, uh, uh, Ken Burns is. Uh, 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 country music the other day just you know because i think you know uh you know uh ken is a great craftsman you know and um it, it's great to to watch craft a lot of times i watch the beginnings of films i like to see how films begin mm-hmm. i think it's really important you know to understand you know how does a how do you begin a film so um uh, a lot of times it's hard for me to settle down and watch and, and, and watch a whole film you know i usually get sleepy yeah absolutely well thank you for your time again we people can see uh miles davis birth of the cool in theaters now once they see the beginning of that they won't tune out they'll be stuck to watch the rest of it they'll be hooked so and we are out of time for this edition of global journalist a production of kbia mid-missouri public radio and the missouri school of journalism many thanks to stanley nelson for joining us our assistant producer this week is Laura Mizarez. Takia Thomas is audio engineer. Travis McMillan is director. For all of us at Global Journalist, I'm Stacey Wolfel. Thanks for tuning in.